Welcome to Pure Spectrum, where we journey through medicine's overlooked and unexplored corners. Join orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Keith Mankin, Colin Miller, and our growing tribe as we explore medicine en route. So we are uh, Tuesday, March 24th, so we're, uh, we're uh, neck deep in the middle of this right now. That's right. How are things in Dallas right now? We're okay. We're day two of our shelter-in-place order, um, and uh, people seem like they're behaving pretty well. Uh, so far, the the cases are are uh, they're starting to total up, but they're not. Uh, it's not a real crisis point like some areas in the country. How's North Carolina? Uh, same here. There was a number of uh, students coming back from a study abroad at Duke who tested positive about a week oh. ago, and that's the biggest grouping they've had in this area, at least that I'm aware of. But um, other than, other than that, I mean, everybody's out on the trails walking. You know, at least yep. six feet, you know, away from each <laughs> other. But people are talking to each other probably even more than they used to. So, yeah, there's some positive of this. But, you know, I figured we'd just get together today and chat. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, some people listening right now may be a little fatigued thinking about this or listening to this. So uh, in case you're, you're not going to listen to it and jump to the next episode, I just want to say as sincerely as possible, this is a big thank you for all of you out there in the front lines right now. Um, it's, it's already starting in some areas of the country, as you mentioned, especially New York, Seattle. Um, this is not going to be easy at all. And uh, it's, I just can't say it enough. Thank you to all of you listening who may or may not be hearing this right now, but we're thinking about you. You know, we've been talking to a lot of you out there offline and, you know, these are going to be some tough weeks coming up. You're here to that. Yeah, and in fact, um, I think that's a, a side of this process that people are not talking about. And I think, you know, maybe because we're healthcare oriented and we, we are really oriented towards the provider, we should spend a few minutes talking about um, how people are going to deal with this, how they're dealing with this combination of lockdown and incredible stress and the fact that this stress hasn't even arrived yet. And then... Um, once everything's done, how they're going to deal with putting the pieces back together on practices. Um, you know, for, for much of the country, this is a, you know, a scary but relaxing time. I mean, most people are sitting and saying, well, I have to be home. I got some savings. Um, I hope this is most people, and I don't mean to minimize it, the pain for people. But, you know, okay, I have to make the sacrifice by staying in. But the healthcare providers are really in war wartime situation. They're, they are on alert and um, waiting for the enemy to come. And I hope it, it doesn't come, at least to the degrees that, that we've seen in other parts of the world. But even just waiting in that anticipation and that stress is is got to be taking its toll. It is, because obviously everybody out there, you know, working in hospitals and clinics right now, it, and it's not just the doctors and nurses and PAs and NPs and techs. It's it's the folks cleaning the, you know, in environmental services. It's people working in central sure. sterile. I mean, you know, these are all, there's a lot more essential jobs than we think about. I mean, yeah, just the fact that right. we're using, you know, a conferencing tool right now on the internet. Somebody's working somewhere to keep this going, power plant, right. all these things. And these people also have kids who need daycare. They, right. you know, they need, you know, things working at their house. It's um, the strain that we're feeling isn't anything compared to what they are right now. Yeah. It's, uh, and, you know, like I, I know uh, the daycare where our daughters go, they've shut down, obviously, but they've kept one location open 
just for people, you know, you know, you know, considered essential positions. So, yeah. you know, they're trying to do everything they can, but I'm not sure that's enough. And obviously we didn't sign up for that because we're not in that category, but um, I don't know, Keith, it's, it's strange because we'll probably go back and listen to this later. And in hindsight, things will seem so clear, but right now we, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, all the techniques, all the, the precautions that we're doing, it's still so early, we can't even see if they're having an effect. And I don't think people realize that. that uh, as I said, we just started our shelter in place order in Dallas. And uh, people were looking and we're still seeing in the morning news, oh, uh, you know, 10 more cases were diagnosed. And, and people are saying, but we're locked down. Why isn't this, this working? Well, there is going to be a lag. And even when there's a lag, and even as the, the uh, cases seem to wane, we don't know the behavior of the virus. So there could be another, a secondary spike. And so we really have to be cautious about that. So um, there's, you know, there's some people who think, oh, well, this will just be for a week or a couple of weeks. And I, I, I'm not even going to try to predict. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I hope that that's right. But I, don't, I think it's going to be some level of restriction for quite a long time. Yeah, I think so too. Because we talked about this before, one of this quick little episode here, but you know, doing a, a full episode on the pandemic right now. I mean, hey, I, I'm not a journalist. I don't pretend to be one on the internet. Uh, you know, I am what I am, and we do. I hope people appreciate it. We do try to put some serious effort into research and cross-checking things and make it as as good an effort as we can not to contribute unvetted bad information out there in the world. Right. And uh, I think we do okay at that, but I don't think we're prepared to do an episode on right. this right now. Right. And we're just going to pile on to all the other unvetted noise out yep. there, and that's not and helpful. Exactly. And we're, we're not experts in the virus. Um, we don't have one on tap. They're all busy doing their work. I hope very few of them are sitting around talking on podcasts. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're not going to say, or I, I will not say, oh, people have to do this or, oh, no, this is what's going to work. That's not what I intend to do. Um, I think that what I can bring is the fact that I am uh, a medical provider. At least I have been a medical provider in the past. So I can give at least some insight into what people are thinking right now in the healthcare industry. And if, if there are listeners out there who agree or disagree, let me know, um, because this is where we need your voice. Um, one of the curious things, as Colin said about this, this uh, social distancing is that it really is social. People are reaching out, they're communicating much, much more than they do when they're, they're walking right next to each other in the street. Don't you see that, Colin? I do. And I don't know if everybody's fully aware of this. If you've been listening for a while, you probably do know, but Keith and I always practice social distancing um, because you're in <laughs> Dallas and I'm here in, in that's right. RTP area in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, we are completely safe guys. <laughs> and we were supposed to actually see each other and spend some time together last Friday. And that obviously had to be canceled. Um, and I think before that, the last time we were in person was a year before that when I came to visit you in Dallas. So um, we're always in a different place. Almost always our guest is in a different place. So yeah. we're accustomed to doing this. But, <laughs> that's right. uh, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's definitely an adjustment. Uh, I mean, we have a new neighbors moving in next door and can't even go shake their hand. I mean, it's, that's right. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So I think now more than ever, um, this is not a time to sit on your thoughts. Um, and especially if you're in healthcare, because 
whether you're somebody who's working in the emergency room or in a, in a um, ICU, or you're like a lot of my friends, um, a uh, community orthopedic surgeon who can't do any work. You can't see patients in the clinic. You can't do elective surgery. Um, you all have frustrations. You all have thoughts. And this is really a time to, um, well, maybe to scream out loud. We need primal scream therapy, all of us. <laughs> right. But we also need to, to be able to, to put some order into our thoughts. We need to be able to, to come up with as much rationality as we can. After you've screamed, stop for a minute and say, okay, if I were to come up with something, um, what kind of solutions, what kind of uh, process would I put in place to facilitate what people are going through? Because really, this is what healthcare people do. We, we are great inventors. None of us work by a script. We, we innovate and we um, extemporize everything. So uh, we have no idea, at least um, maybe it's different in some fields. There are fields, you know, uh, I always joke and, and I hope I'm not insulting anyone about my total joint comrades who, um, who want their clinic to be one question, right or left. Um, <laughs> but my clinic was, was pandemonium. I never knew what age the kid was going to be. I never knew what the problem was. I didn't know what body part except for like a little blurb on the, on the chart. So practically anything could happen. And so you go in and you get the information and then you'd make a plan and then the plan worked most of the time. Um, we're really good at that. And I think this is the time where not only do we need to use all our medical skill for the medical task at hand, but we need to use our diagnostic and our practical and our uh, rational skills to come up with solutions. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a really good point. So there's a columnist in the Wall Street Journal I want to say Jason Zweig, if I'm saying his name right. Um, yeah, he, I've been reading him for a long time. And I remember years ago, back when I was still in college, he talked about actually Bert Malkiel and the random walk down Wall Street and how important a, a book that is. And, you know, obviously we had him on the podcast eventually. But he made a good point recently, and he was talking more about investing. But he said, you know, put yourself in 2030 looking back. You're going to remember this very differently than you're seeing it now. In hindsight, you're going to say, oh, yeah, it was very obvious. We should have you know, bought stock at this point, sold at this, made this decision. That's not obvious right now. And it's actually not a bad idea to write down your thoughts because uh, memory turns out to be a pretty fragile thing. And there's more research coming out on that now in a lot of you know, the social sciences area. But um, not a bad idea just to think about what you're thinking about right this moment, you know, right in the middle of this, what you're wondering about, what you think you know right now. I mean, just a, what, a week or two ago, we were interviewing uh, Lloyd Miner, who's the dean of Stanford School of Medicine. And we were talking about his new book that's coming out this month. And not once during that conversation, as I recall, Keith, did we ever talk about this at all? It didn't even come up. Right. And then a few days later, there he is. I saw him on CNN talking about nothing but the pandemic. That's how th yeah. quickly things changed in our mindset. So yeah, it, you know, if you want to Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, it's Colin at Pure Spectrum or Keith at Pure Spectrum, or you can, if you're into Twitter, it's at Pure Spectrum. You know, if you want to do that, just shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Um, good, yeah. bad, ugly, whatever. You know, we read all our emails. So, and sometimes we get on Twitter occasionally. <laughs> That's right. Once in a blue moon. But Keith, you know, I was thinking, we were talking about this too before we got started. It's a, it, this is going to be very difficult. It's already difficult for, 
for, for some of you out there, you know, especially I think in New York City, some of you in Italy right now. I mean, my God. Um, you know, you know, I think a lot of people don't, either they don't know or they're not comfortable seeking help or resources. What, what do you think about that, Keith? I mean, yeah. you know, when, when should you start thinking about that? And, you know, what, what is out there? Yeah. Well, we've had guests on before who've discussed doctors in, even in the best situations are really terrible at seeking out their own help. And it's, it's a, uh, I mean, whether for, for physical or uh, for, for uh, psychological issues um, uh, and of course, burnout and uh, even physician suicide are such a high, um, uh, a big issue. Um, we're really getting to a point where a lot of the physicians who are on the front lines are going to have PTSD sim, um, symptoms. Um, I think that there are, uh, one of the things that I understand that the major hospital centers are doing is they're, they are uh, providing uh, services because uh, obviously a lot of the psychologists and psychiatrists are not seeing regular clinics, so they have time on their hands. So they're making them available for consultations, mainly telemedicine, phone converse, uh, conversations, I would think. Um, but they're also doing check-ins. If you're doing a shift, um, like you're doing an eight-hour shift in the emergency room or in radiology or, or you know, you're doing surgery or you're in the ICU, um, people, when you come out, are saying, how are you feeling? Are you getting sleep? How, did you eat today? The, the questions that you don't ask yourself. And I think that'll yeah. be part of it. Um, but I think you do have to ask yourself those questions. Um, there's a, they always used to tell us uh, when I was a medical student and when I was a resident, uh, the very first pulse you should take when you're running to a code is your own. Mm -hmm. um, and what that means is make sure that you're in control, that you're not panicking, that, that you know where you are because you're the one who's guiding the ship. You're the captain. Um, and it, it's so important that, when you're out there and you're faced with this stressful situation, that you don't forget that you too are a victim of this situation. Um, and doctors don't like to be victims. We like to be the heroes. Well, I mean that in a good way. We like to be the ones who, who feel like we're in control. We need that confidence. We need that um, assurance. We ourselves need that so we know we're making the right decisions. Because how in the world do you make life and death decisions unless you have that kind of confidence? Right. But it's but once you've made those decisions, I'm not saying you know say oh is this the right thing to do? Should I do this? Should I do this now? Don't do that. But once you've done it, stop and say, what just happened? Um, that's where writing it down. That's where keeping a journal. That's where um, really being in touch with your your thoughts and your feelings. And don't think of it as vulnerability. Think of it as self-preservation to share those with other people, uh, other doctors, with your your um, with your significant other, with your children, even with your dog, just tell someone, um, just don't keep it bottled up because that is going to be a, a severe problem. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes because a lot of the physicians I've been talking with recently are the ones you described earlier who are kind of sit in wait mode. You know, they may still be seeing some patients in clinic, but they can't book elective cases and they just have no idea, you know, it's like you, you, you want to do something and you can't yet. Um, but for many others out there, they're already, you know, neck deep in this. And 
I imagine one of the, the biggest frustrations, you know, right now there's a severe shortage of PPE. So, you know, everything from gowns to masks to eye protection. And it, it's easy to say this is completely unacceptable and it is, but that really doesn't solve any problems at the moment. This is the reality they're dealing with, right. but that's a, it's a huge frustration. You know, you can do everything you can and be held back by something as simple as normal <laughs> disposable products that, yeah. are, you know, should be you know, completely stocked in the hospital. Um, how do you deal with those kind of frustrations, Keith, when you just feel like, you know, the control you usually have is, 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 is evaporating right before, before you. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I think it's a hard, uh, such a hard uh, thing to do. And, and um, I've been in crisis situation. I've been in multi-traumas. I've been in, you know, situations where there were, um, you know, huge accidents where people, um, many people were coming in and you had to do triage and it felt like a crisis point. Um, I've never been in anything like this. And so I don't know for sure um, what's going on, but there are things that I'm seeing people are doing. Uh, for one thing, um, some of the people who are, as you put it, on the sidelines, um, the the elective doctors, um, are uh, donating their equipment from their clinics. Right. Um, I had um, uh, I had some uh, elective dental work scheduled, and they they're that's canceled, and the clinic is essentially closed except for emergency. And um, my dentist is turning over his supply of masks and gowns. Uh, to the local hospital. So that is something you can do. I mean, you have supplies that can be shared. Um, one of the things I'd love to see the community do, I'd love to, to that if our um, factories and our manufacturing had the, uh, the nimbleness to sort of step in and change what they do. I mean, there are a lot of people who could make gowns right now, a lot of people who could make masks. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the people who want to knit them or sew probably aren't the kind of mask we want but there are our yeah. manufacturing companies that with a little bit of upfit would be able to do that it would actually keep them running there'd be hiring um i would love to see not getting political the government say great here is money for you to do that upfit let's let's do that and let's switch over i mean that's what we've always done and that's what happened in world war ii we we converted uh car manufacturers to uh to tank manufacturers and things exactly. like that um, the, there are car, um, I forget which, uh, which by the way, that started even before Pearl Harbor too. You know? Right. Yeah. It, um, as we were, you know, helping arm our allies, primarily Great Britain over there. I mean, we right. were producing bombers and tanks and everything before we even got, you know, involved firsthand. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that there was, yeah, there was some game playing a little bit there, but we don't. Of course, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's now we're getting yeah, off track. That'll but. that would spend some time if we could uh, spend it. That uh, has nothing to do with healthcare. Um, but I I do know that there's um, uh, at least one automobile uh, company that's uh, started to look into working on some of the respirators because right. they have the the uh, machinery that can do that. So that is something that we are going to have to do as a nation. We're going to have to step in, and, and everyone's going to have to roll up their sleeves. Um, so in that way, it really is like World War II, much more so than it was during any of the other um, wars that, well, the wars that I've had in my lifetime. Vietnam, there was nothing for us to do. <clears throat> um, right. Afghanistan, nothing for us to do besides support the troops. Iraq, nothing there was for us to do. So we are going to have to to convert our mindset. I think for the physicians, <clears throat> the most important thing is to 
Um, keep your eyes on, um, as my wife, the radiologist, who is right in the middle of these things, by the way, um, uh, she always says, keep your eyes on the prize. So the idea is that you have a mission to do. You are the one who is, um, who is taking care of these patients. You have the expertise to do it. You have to keep that focus and just stay within that context. And don't worry about the frustrations. We've always talked about this uh, from really day one. We were reminiscing about um, when we started this podcast. Yeah. And I just call and I were talking about, you know, how do you turn out all the noise that's the, uh, the, you know, everyone wants to know what's the investments are and everything. You have to just sort of stop and, and just sort of focus on the case at hand and the matter at hand. Now, where that's a problem is, uh, and we've seen this um, in some places, um, everything is in place now, and they've spent tremendous amount of energy setting this up, and, and now comes the waiting. Now you just sort of say, okay, we don't have that many patients. How do you keep your focus on that? And I think at that point, the way to do the frust uh, to settle or to take care of the frustration, as we've talked about before is to just sort of clear your mind as much as you can on a periodic basis. Take a 20 minute nap. Um, as long as you're not reading films, <laughs> um, uh, get outside and get a breath of fresh air. So long as you can do it without being within six feet of, of your neighbor, um, call somebody, um, Skype somebody, just do something to sort of get out of that mindset and not just sit in the stress and the frustration. And I think that's probably the only advice that, that I could give it. It's, it has worked for me. I mean, that anticipation of waiting for the next trauma to come in, you just can't sit there and, and, and feel that stress. You have to get out and, and live and then be ready to get back to work. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Well, um, yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, what we're going to be up to here. We're, we're homebound just like everybody else. And, Turns out we got more time than usual to do podcasts, so we're going to keep rolling. We're going to speed up the cadence a little bit here, and um, we're not planning on doing any episodes yet on this, as we talked about why earlier, but I think, uh, you know, if we can be helpful at all, we're going to try to take your mind off of things a little bit. We've got an ER physician in Australia who leads, he does guides for National Geographic, and he's an award-winning photographer, and he's just an amazing guy. So... We've got some more episodes kind of like that coming up just to hopefully take people's minds off this a little bit and give you something, something more positive to think about. And yeah, down the road, we'll, we'll revisit this more in hindsight when we have you know time to process everything yeah. that has happened. But yeah, because, um, yeah, because I, th I think there will be a tremendous amount of learning that comes out of this. And I think healthcare will be changed somewhat from our experiences and hopefully right. for the better. I mean, the, it's, um, we just have to see what the lessons are, but we can't possibly do it while we're in the midst of it. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't often have the opportunity because we have the guest and we're, we're saying goodbye to the guest at this point. But what I would like to do is invite, um, you know, now that we're opening up the lines of communication, invite all you out there to let us know what, what you want to hear or who you want to hear from. Um, we, uh, will you know, if there's somebody that you would like to bring on um, about any uh, aspect of healthcare or medical care, 
um, we have resources now that, that uh, and you know, people are coming on, so we're getting the guests. So let us know and, and we'll try to bring them on and tell us what questions you want to ask too. Let's make this really interactive. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure as everyone's noticed, we've, you know, we've had some pretty, pretty big time people on recently and um, some of them are actually asking to come on our show, which is, is flattering, but yeah, throw us throw some names because chances are they'll come on and, and chances are many of them have a lot more um, flexibility in their schedule right now too. It's not so hard to schedule that's these. Right. We, we, yeah. That's probably our biggest challenge every month is you're in one time zone, I'm in a different one and our guests <laughs> are in a different one. So yeah. you know, we've gone as far as China and India, Australia a couple that's of days, right. uh, a lot in the UK, one in Switzerland recently. So those, those give us these really small windows each day of normal working hours in each time zone and um, and things change constantly. So that's that's why we usually do one of these a month. <laughs> but right now, this is kind of an opportunity here. So whatever, yeah, if you have any ideas out there, shoot them over because it's a good time to make that happen. With that said, Keith, uh, we'll jump on and do another one of these here. This is kind of fun. But yeah, this um, was. I don't think right. people want to hear too much more about us just talking about what we're seeing in the news. It's, it's yeah. We'll just keep keep pushing ahead and um, yeah. again, you know, Colin at Pure Spectrum, Keith at Pure Spectrum, Twitter, you know, reach out to us. We, we'd love to hear from you. And really, thank you again for all of you out there and what you're doing. Um, we're thinking about you every day, yeah. and and um, if you don't feel appreciated, you are. Yeah. Stay well. Stay strong, everybody. <laughs>